Hey everyone, a little bit of a proviso on this episode, it's a week late, so some of the information is a little bit old, but you know, it's a podcast, so you're probably going to be listening to this any time between now and, I don't know, forever, podcasts are forever. I did expect to make a bit of an apology for this episode as well, so we have two guests, but we only had two microphones because I forgot to bring a cable. The guests are Greg Mace from FB Propac, and uh, he also works at the Craft & Co here in Melbourne. And James Smith of the Crafty Pint and the Crafty Cabal. So we, we learn about a bit about both of them. And, and fortunately for us, uh, fortunately for me, the, the microphone sharing didn't work too badly. Unfortunately, my co-host Dave also forgot something. And that was a couple of beers that he was supposed to bring me. And as a result, I don't have any beers in my fridge. It's a really sunny day out there. And... I would really like one of those beers when I knock off finishing recording this podcast, but I don't have them. Turns out me bringing a cable, not so bad, I can fudge it. Day for getting beers, ruins my day. going we are going hey dave hey how are you good thanks uh welcome to craft and co first time here for you yes i don't know if we did this in the next segment but let's do it now anyway okay all right fair it's enough the, the hazards of recording things out of order i don't know how movies do it <laughs> all that fancy editing yeah yeah um couple news, of news things, news thing? yeah, yeah the first go. thing is relating to you stout float night have you guys heard about stout float night no so dave Dave started an annual event a couple of years ago uh, where you combined stout with uh, ice cream to make a stout float, and he no longer does it. So when we say that I started that event... Yeah, you started a day, like Brown yeah, Ale Day, but PBA Day. what I did was just shout this out in 2014. It? I just said, hey, Twitter, I just decided that Wednesday night will be stout float night. Everyone get involved. Everyone, you said. <laughs> Purely because I decided on that Wednesday night I wanted to have a stout float, and that was that was the end of my commitment to it. But it, 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 it sort of took off a little bit. Yeah. So last year, everyone got involved. Uh, this year, did you have a stout float? I didn't know. No. And then people kept sending me messages going, oh, sorry, I couldn't get my hands on a stout tonight for a stout. I don't care. Just do it if you want to do it or not. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. You yeah. had some momentum and you killed it. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Uh, I didn't have one. I had wine and girls, so it was, yeah. I was uh, eating pasta. <laughs> it was um, a good night. Next bit of news I've got is KBS Kentucky Breakfast. Kentucky Breakfast Kentucky stout? Breakfast Stout, yeah. From Founders was launched. So KBS is a American stout that gets a limited release hit, uh, in, in America. It's one of the hype ones yep. over there. Yep. Uh, I didn't go along, but apparently it was... Chockers, uh, you couldn't get in the door basically. People were, I think they got through two kegs, which is amazing. Um, I don't think three or four years ago that would have happened. So, nah. Imperial yeah. Stout, what is it, 10 ish percent? 11 like percent, I 11%, think. Yeah. And yeah, two kegs of that in a night. That's crazy. Yeah, definitely. I expected to be, some to be on today. I was going to go down and check it. But <laughs> buyout news, we've got two buyout news this week. Um, Barrett El Borgo, which I thought was interesting. Mm -hmm, definitely. Being bought because out by AVM. Raise questions about how that flows on to Nomad. So Nomad have come out and said it doesn't. Not so Nomad, all, yeah. for those that don't know, I guess, Barrett Borgo and Nomad have the same 
owner or partnership with the owner of Vero del Borgo. It's quite confusing, um, but it's not related to Nomad, aren't related to them as a brand. Did I explain that well? I explained that terribly. So Leo, this is James Smith from the Crafty Pint, by the way. All right, yeah, yeah. we're doing Secret things like this. it's like Memento. We're just sort of yeah. feeding, <laughs> feeding bits of the podcast in backwards. Um, so he founded Beer del Borgo, and then it, that was the first Italian beer that the guys from Experience It brought over here. And then they launched Nomad together. So I think he's personally a joint owner of Nomad, and so he, I guess, his ownership of. Uh, Bill del Borgo has been bought by um, AB InBev and he's staying on as CEO but I don't think it, it, Bill del Borgo didn't own Nomad he was personally involved and still is I think the issue is whether Experience It could still bring in Bill del Borgo because presumably that would now have other distribution networks so that's what I, how I understand it I also thought there might have been like a no um, competition clause in the buyout that if he's um a CEO or owner of one brand that gets bought out, you wouldn't be able to do that for a certain amount of time for any other brand. But it might be location specific, so um, it doesn't matter if they're operating in New South Wales. I, I was quite surprised in terms of the brand fit, um, the kind of brands that you expect to be bought out. And they're probably one of the first sort of big craft brands, yeah. They're just looking at every market where there's a significant craft uh, element and just trying to skim off the top one or two brands in every country. Yeah, you know, and Leo done a fantastic job with Beer at El Borgo. He'd helped bring along a lot of other brewers. So, you know, like buying Camden or whatever they're going around, well, who are, who are the market leaders who are happy to sell and just skim off the top? You know, I'm assuming that's the, that's the plan. Uh, and it's probably going to work pretty well for them, I imagine. Um, particularly they're working in with, I put an article up about them buying distributors or online distributors. So. If you get Beer at Borgo, Goose Island on an online platform that's distributing beer quickly, then that's a, a worrying prospect if you were competing with that. Um, and other brews and another sorry, brews news. Can I say brews news. It's a, not even a, it's a rival podcast. Jeez. Uh, those guys are lovely though. Uh, Byron Bay was bought out. Byron Bay Brewery. Uh, a lot of people probably know them from the brews news story where they CUB were brewing their beers. And now they've been bought out by Lion. Uh, yeah. I tried to make a joke on Twitter about they bought the wrong brewery in Byron Bay, but I, I kind of fucked it up and then had to delete it, and then it just felt mean, so I didn't. <laughs> Sorry? I'll bring it up now, so yeah, you know, the guests can imagine how good that tweet might have been. <laughs> um, oh, and speaking of, I guess, experience, that they're bringing in, I think they're bringing in a couple of more. U.S. beers. Uh, the Brewery, B-R-U-E-R-Y, and Alesmith, um, two really big names. Um, the Brewery put out some really great beers. I'm not a huge fan of their big beers. Two, two really big um, brands to snatch, but I don't know, just the U.S. ones that come in that are in that big format, the 640 mil or the 500 mil bottles, um, it just prohibits cost-wise so much that like you might see a, a big uh, stirring of activity when they first come in but I can't imagine people dropping $45, $50 just and, and also bottles. the beers that people want from the brewery or Alesmith aren't the beers that they're going to be sending over I mean not saying the other beers are, aren't uh, are bad but they're just as good you know about the same level as a lot of other stuff on the shelves people want you know Half the J- price, Jamaican yeah. coffee blue 
Speedway they want. They don't want that regular Speedway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, or, you know, Brewery Black Tuesday or whatever that, that we aren't going to actually get. So it'll be interesting to see how they go. Um, and Oscar Blues is coming in in, in cans. Good fun. One of the pioneers of canning craft beer. So people are very excited about that. Dale's uh, Pale Owls is consistently good. I don't think I've ever tried it. Yeah, delicious. Yeah. yeah. It's not, I reckon it's pretty similar to that uh, hot water pale. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I'd like to try that then. Um, I've got another, oh, the Critics' Choice was the other thing I wanted to mention. Dave, you're a member of the Critics' Choice panel this year. A critic, the, you might say. Yeah. You are a critic. Can you, can you tell us what that is? Can, can I you, tell us what it is? Yeah, because it's being announced at the moment, right? Yeah, so the Beer Lovers Guide are um, doing their annual publication that uh, amalgamates the, I don't know how many critics they use. Does anyone, anyone know? 30-odd critics. Have you been one before, James? A few years ago, yeah. When asked back. No. I think <laughs> <laughs> Neither, don't worry. <laughs> um, and yeah, they asked for submissions um, for a top 25 uh, beer selections from the past year. And then they amalgamate that into a top 50 list overall. How did you go listing 25 beers? It's, uh, like 1 to 10 was fine. 10 to 25 was Can brutal. you explain why you chose this beer at 13 and the other beer at 21? I, I, <laughs> I got to the stage where I felt like I could. But if I, I ran, I like, once the uh, top 12 got announced, I went back to my list and I was going, I don't know how, I don't even know what that is. Yeah. <laughs> so, um. It felt like a very logical breakdown at the time. I don't know. When I've done that or similar things in the past, you can go back a week later and go. Actually, I'd I'd, I'd shuffle, shuffle this around, or you know, or there's a beer you forgot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you can cert- Yeah, you can certainly. You know, move it. It's a talking point. I you guess, need to take it seriously, but not too seriously. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, the reason I want to bring it up as well, it's, it's happening right now, but also the list has been. I guess in previous years very safe. Uh, the Critics' Choice has probably been the safest version of the hottest 100 beer we have here where it's like you kind of know that Stone Wood's going to be up there, Hop Hog, and you can kind of round out the top ten based on previous years. Yep. But this year... Um, Shaking I, it up. Yeah, if I go down the list, we've had Shenanigans Pale. Uh, so it's the 12th they do publicly. Um, Shenanigans Pale, Feral Warhog, Milk and Two Sugars from Brew Cult. Pacific Ale was nine, which is a massive drop for them. Um, former Tenant from Modus Operando. I had it at eight, by the way, so I'm former not saying tenant. that uh, my top ten was bang on, but hey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did a lazy job this year. Yeah, yeah. It's um, a pamphlet this year rather than a book, yeah. It's a <laughs> uh, Pirate Life Throwback and then Karma Citra from Pharaoh at six. Pretty solid listing so far, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, completely unexpected, most of those to be even in the top 20. So be interesting to see the panel because I think in previous years they'd gone to a lot of sort of buyers from major retail groups and a lot of people who were sort of involved in big pub groups who wouldn't actually necessarily have known more than 12 beers. Um, and so, you know, that would have potentially, uh, I guess, ensured a pretty safe list. So maybe, you know, it'd be interesting to see who the panel is and where they've gone with people who are a bit more, you know, in tune with the the craft beer world, hence why you'd get people picking more interesting or certainly more, you know, colourful beers. It's also probably a reflection of people are actually expanding their horizons a lot more. Um, the panel was online, I think, on the website. Uh, so you know, have a look and judge them or judge them not for having good or bad taste. But Dave, good work. Thanks, when, mate. when me and James did it, it was safe as shit. And yeah, I know. Yeah. I've got some other things, but they're not really that exciting. Did you Could want to talk about that Mountain Goat IPA? I saw that. Oh, I had recommendations. Are we going to do recommendations? All right, Dave's ruined it. Uh, do we want to do recommendations? Yeah, I reckon. All right, cool. Then, yeah, way to, way to spoil it. Good work. 
Which um, IPA is it? I don't know. The, uh, I should say uh, Good Beer Hunting, who was on the show, uh, Michael Kaiser was on the show a couple months of ago months now, ago. Yeah. He's just put up a big sort of article about Melbourne and his take on Melbourne drinking. He was only here for a week, I think. Um, but it's kind of a, yeah, a re- an interesting overview. Um, part two is coming up. He kept um, spelling Hawthorne with an E on the end, which bothered me. I yeah, know, right. Yeah. I'll get in touch. Me the other day and suggest I link to it in my new. So I think someone did it. I'm having. No, a I think so, I, th- I think I saw someone do it, but I don't think it was Luke though. Yeah. I, yesterday or Friday when I was doing my news, I was like, this, someone sent me a link. I should put in the end of my newsletter, and I just couldn't think what it was. Yeah, I think I did see that tweet as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well. It wasn't me, but part two will come out in time, hopefully, for your your next newsletter. Good beer week's coming up. That's the other thing. Uh, I don't know. Go to an event. Go to two events. I yeah, go to two events. Yeah. Uh, How many events did you go to in the first year, Dave? Oh. 37, wasn't it? Off of the Crafty Crawl. Yeah, that's right. 37 might have been the winning number, I think. Yeah. In a week, dressed as a Yeah. Good times. <laughs> How many events are you going to go to this year? One. <laughs> One. Oh, and then Gabs. So and two. Gabs, yeah. Gabs, yeah. It wasn't an official event back then. Um, uh, yeah, that's all I've got. That's all I've got. All right, cool. Should we Should do we... some recommendations? All right. What let's... do you want to start with? Or do you want to pause it for oh, and then we can put and we'll some theme music around put and some yeah. music in? All yeah, right, let's do I that. Like it. Um, well, welcome two guests, and we'll have to apologise again to our listeners because we've only got two microphones because I made a mistake and forgot to pack the charger. So apologies for that, everyone. Fair enough. Oh, not the charger, the adapter. Uh, but anyway, we're at Craft & Co. We're with James from the Crafty Pint. Hello. How's it going? Very well. And we're with Greg. Uh, what's your official title and your and job? Uh, brewer and technical sales for FB Propac and Gypsy Bruco, who contracts to the Craft & Co. So I work for Gypsy Bruco, uh, but the beers are all produced at the Craft and uh, yeah. So the Craft & Co here in Fitzroy, Collingwood, where are we? Collingwood? Uh, it's Colli- yeah, Collingwood. And that's, uh, what is the Craft & Co? Because it's kind of a, a mishmash. Yeah, the Craft & Co is really, it's about um, making food and enjoying food and also everything here is uh, Australian. So we go Australian food, beer, spirits and yeah, we have a room for making cheese and salami have different free courses in the weekends for wine making so it's really about enjoying Australian produce and liquor as well and then having the tools to be able to make them on site if you're interested. And you can also come down and get a beer and a, a feed as well. Yeah exactly and also as I, we stay pretty true to Victoria and also everything Australian beer wise so you won't see any other beers, Americans or New Zealand or anything. So everything is Australian, which is good. You say New Zealand, uh, it sounded almost disparaging but you're from New Zealand. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I quite like New Zealand beers but there's another. There's quite a few other places that do tap takeovers and have a lot to do with them. So especially at local bottle stores these days so it's easy enough to get hold of them. Cool, cool, yeah, definitely. Um, New Zealand beers dominate, were dominating the market here for a while, weren't they, Dave? Yeah, Back a few years day. ago. I mean, you couldn't move for a Hot Wired or an Epic Pale or anything like that. Um, yeah. It's hard to complain about it. But yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and James, we've asked, asked you on to talk about uh, your new venture, part of the Crafty Pint, but 
quite separate. Um, the Crafty Cabal, can you give us a bit of a rundown on what that is? It's sort of like a membership or subscription or subscriber bonus thing for the website. So if readers want to, I guess, support what I do, but then get something out of it, they can. And I guess even before I launched the Crafty Pine, I had an idea to do some sort of membership type thing. And then maybe two or three years ago, I started chatting to this guy, Derek Hales, who's now opened Bad Shepherd Brewing. And he was at the time strategy in uh, Kraft Foods, a very sort of smart sort of corporate mind. And we had a few meetings about how this thing could work. And eventually over dinner one time, we came up with this concept. It was like, wow, that's just genius. That's going to work. Everyone's going to benefit from it. That's amazing. And then realized it's basically the subscription scheme that all like community radio st stations use. So we could actually have just looked at what Triple R done and ripped it off completely. But instead, we spent ages agonizing over it and then realized it's what everybody does. I take a long time to get everywhere, I guess. But uh, yeah, so the, the idea is that um, if people want to sign up and support the Crafty Pint, um, they can sign up to Gabal. They get access to, I guess the main thing is there's a lot of deals and stuff and offers we're putting on at venues and breweries around the country where they might do, you know, sort of two for one beers or meal deals or some free merch or whatever um, and then I'll look to do events and uh, get access to sort of you know cabal only events so we did one at Boat Rocker two weekends ago uh, and we made it the idea, the idea is I guess we make sure the events are really cool but also either they're free or the price is crazy so the Boat Rocker one was 25 bucks which got people bust out from the city to Boat Rocker um, tasting from Matt's barrels three or four hours of Matt's time tasting paddle of his beers, some platters of food, and a massive branded Belgian goblet to take home. And so it was like, well, I say massive, it, you know, not like as big as your head, but pretty big. Um, and yeah, so we did that for 25 bucks, and it was probably a $75, $80 event. So the idea is we do stuff like that, and it's sort of, I guess in some ways, passing on the good stuff that comes my way from what I've done over the last few years and trying to pass that on to people as well. And then, you know, the more people that sign up, the more I have to build the site and whatever, so. We were uh, lucky enough to get an invite to last week's event, Dave. Um, thank you for the invite, by the way. <laughs> um, and it was great. Uh, we drank some really good beers uh, and ate some pizza. And I think that the vibe there was, it was a really interesting mix of like, people that were, were members of the cabal and then a lot of brewers and industry people that, um, we're happy if there was an unfortunate kind of accident at that venue, it would have wiped out the beer population of Melbourne <laughs> that day, I think, yeah. So that was your official launch, right? Yeah, so I mean, it, it went live in maybe December, I think, early December last year. And then sort of as soon as I put it live, I was like, oh, you know, it'd be good if we could do this and if we could do that. And then it was like, okay, let's kind of strip the whole thing back to basics and rebuild the whole thing so we can offer events and sell merch and do all this kind of stuff through it as well. And then I was like, it's now ready to do a bit of a launch and get the word out there. Because I think until you do that, a lot of people don't really pay attention to it. Um, and so it was a launch for members who could make it along and bring their mates. But also I wanted to, every now and then I try and, I guess, throw a party for people in the beer industry that support me. Um, I hadn't done one in about three years. So a lot of brewers and bar owners and stuff came down. And my wife, she was coming down late and she was fearing she was going to walk into this place, you know, tumbleweed spinning across the floor and <laughs> 10 people. But I got there at 10 or 12. 10 or 15 minutes before the venue was due to open and there was like 15 people queuing outside wanting to get in. It's remarkable what free clout stout <laughs> and you know six taps of free beer will do. But uh, no, it was great and I think there was a nice atmosphere. You know, it is about, I guess, you know, in some ways the cabal is about finding a way of, you know, getting support for crafty from readers um, and giving something back. But it's kind of like, if it works as I plan, it's like the community helping each other. Like the, the readers can help support what I do so I can grow and I can pay my writers more and develop them and at the same time venues can get a bit of extra promo out of me and then we send punters to their venue you know so it all becomes everyone's kind of helping each other move on um, and I th you know and that's 
I guess one of the things that people, whether they're new to the beer industry or been around a while, everyone talks about the community. That's kind of what makes it so special. And so hopefully this, you know, becomes something like that. Um, I guess I probably could have called it something other than the Crafty Cabal because I keep getting emails about, can we join the Crafty Cable or the Keeble or whatever? No one seems to know what it is. But being, being a man of words, I, I love the word Cabal. And it's, it seems to really capture what, in a way, Crafty Pint's about. You know, it's you know, this secret society of plotters that, you know, I'm not trying to bring anyone down, but you are trying to help, you know, I guess the, you know, the, the smaller niche under, underground, not so much, you know, the, 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 the small independent side of the industry grow. The, the hardest thing with any media right now in, in 2016 um, is trying to make money out of it, right? Like no one's making money in media at the moment. Everyone's, well, they're still making money, but they're losing a lot. Um, so I guess is this probably your way of keeping it going and keeping your beer media flowing for you? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm very... Uh, I did a story on April the 1st this year that claimed I'd sold a 51% share to News Limited. Um, but it was written pretty subtly. I think if you got to the end and didn't realise it was an April Fool, then, you know, you, you, well, anyway, lots you of people You shouldn't comment, because plenty <laughs> yeah, of people... Yeah, you just don't yeah. comment. <laughs> but, um, you know... The, a part of the reason I wrote that is because I feel so strongly, you know, about independence, as a number of people in the beer industry do. And it was suggested by Nick, the guy who writes me in Sydney, to write an article along those lines because of what's happening in the beer world. You know, and people are being bought up and integrity or independence is being lost. Um, and there are certain th things I don't do with Crafty Pint. You know, I, I, people will offer me money to write articles. I don't do it. You know, there's no sponsor content. There's nothing like that. I don't take money from people I don't believe in. I don't chase listings, uh, you know, so that in some ways you kind of make it hard for myself. I'm living off it now, pretty much, you know, so it, but it, there could always be more to, like I say, to develop the site better and to bring on more writers. But um, yeah, this, this hopefully will become another, you know, another stream of income. And you know, I can see that if Crafty Pine gets where I want it to be, which is, you know, we're telling every single good news story or just every single news story, good or bad about beer in Australia, um, every single, you know, good bottle shop and brewery and venue want, wants to be listed on the site. Um, and then if the cabal sort of takes off as well, like it, it can be a real successful thing without ever compromising, you know, and without taking any money from anyone I don't believe in and don't want to take it from. And that's almost like part of the drive as well, to prove you can have a successful media business without selling out, you know, and very few people do. Like everyone's taking sponsored content or not everyone, most people are. You look at, you know, where a lot of the bigger breweries are putting their money, they're putting it into these sort of online listicle based things because they've got an audience because they're not writing or you know run with integrity or with you know trying to do the right thing at heart it's all about getting traffic and doing these deals and stuff and i'd like to think there's a way that you can you know by doing the right thing you know can can uh, get where you need to go and my, my dad thinks like, then you'll sell out once you've built that i'm like no i won't no i won't but uh yeah so that, that's part of the drive as well to show you can have a successful business and just do it by staying true to i guess your audience and and the people you're writing about so so the Crafty Pint, uh, I guess there might be some listeners, international listeners, that might not be familiar with it. It's probably probably the best resource for beer news or beer listings in, in Australia. The story of it, I guess, was you just deciding or moving to Australia and realising that no one was doing that. So you decided to do that. Is that, is that accurate? I was a journalist in the UK, moved over here with my wife just because we wanted to live somewhere better. Um, and was just pitching for work with newspapers, magazines. I think the first article I got commissioned to write over here was for some historical periodical 
and it was about the 150th anniversary of a fifth generation wooden boat builder in Williamstown, about Greg Blunt, awesome guy by the way, go and say hello to him. He's the last wooden boat builder still operating in Australia, I believe. But, um, so, you know, just is that craft? I believe he is very craft. <laughs> yeah, he's as craft as you can get, craft, craft cubed. Um, but yeah, so just doing all sorts of like, you know, it was a real struggle. Like, as we know, mainstream, or certainly print media has been dying on its ass for a long time. Um, and over here, there wouldn't have been that many jobs anyway, and there were even less and less then. And then, yeah, met a guy who worked for Mountain Goat, went to Mountain Goat one night, went, oh, this is pretty cool. Didn't realize this was happening in Australia. Somehow started playing for their cricket team and met someone who was selling beer for Prickly Moses and met someone else who was at Hargrove Hill. And I was like, oh, and then jumped online going, there's all these breweries out there. And there was just no information. And so, you know, eventually that became, well, let's be the person providing that information. Um, and so it gave me something to write about, but also, I guess, filled a, a need that was probably there um, and then has become whatever it is now. So, so you're happy with where it is now? Yeah, I, I love what, you know, it's still ridiculous. I still do far too much work and it's, it's still, you know, people think it's great. I know it's a long way from where I'd like it to be, and which is all down to time and resources, really. Um, but I, even when if I'm, you know, doing crazy hours, I really enjoy what I'm doing. I ha I'm happily, happy to stand at my desk, just working away and writing and chase stuff up, you know, get overwhelmed at times, but, you know, but it's... Yeah, I, I, I can believe in what I'm doing, which I think is important. And I think, you know, we are at the end of the day selling poison, but it's, you know, better poison than uh, other poison. And uh, we're supporting small businesses. What a good tagline. <laughs> <laughs> better poison than other poison. Yeah. Why haven't any brewers you started using that yet? <laughs> Our poison's better than their poison. Oh, but, you know, supporting small business, we're, you know, we're ch changing a drinking culture in Australia for the better. You know, it's all, there's a lot to believe in, you know, and... You know, I, I do believe I can get the site to where I, I want it to be, and and not just you know covering everything, but I want it to be the most beautiful site to look at and the most beautiful site in the way it operates, and that's why you know you need more income to do those things. Uh, but only again, just just in Australia, I've had people in New Zealand ask if they can sort of take the concept over there. I'm like, do it, rip me off, but I'm not interested in franchising anywhere else. I just don't want the extra work. But um. But no, I'm, I'm happy with it, but I know it could be, you know, in my mind, it has a long way to go before it's where I want it to be. I think it's been an important resource in, um, in our industry here, because back in the day, years ago, I remember uh, myself and people would look at Crafty Pint, see when there was a new beer, because it wasn't that often you'd have nine new beers a week coming up. So there'd be one new beer you'd hear about, and then you'd say where it is. And we'd go down and drink it, and then there'd be people there that had done the same thing. So you'd find all these people that you keep finding, just establish this core group of people that we still talk to and do that all because we're we led by James <laughs> to find the new beers on yeah. tap. I think it still sort of happens. I sort of think more of writing for consumers. But then you realise it is providing a pretty important thing for um, for the industry. Like I was chatting to Scott uh, Scotty from Bad, Sh Bad Shepherd, and he was dropping in some samples of their oatmeal stout the other day. And when I put the post up about their red IPA, he got eight calls that led to sales. On, you know, within 24 or 48 hours, people read about it and went, "Oh, cool, right." You know, and that was new, new business. So I think you know. At the same time, I do go to some venues that are craft beer venues and talk to them and like mention a story that oh, heard about this. No, oh, do you know about this? No, I'm like why aren't you reading the website? Like, if you are running a craft beer venue or you're in the industry, 
without wanting to blow my own trumpet, you should at least be reading my newsletter on a Friday. In 20 minutes, you'll know what's going on and your staff should be reading it because they'll be better informed. And like, you know, there's lots I'm not doing because I still, you know, the stuff I've missed or whatever, there's more, more beers out there I miss. But I really think, you know, it is something that's pretty useful for people. And I'm happy to say that. And it does amaze me when I go into venues and go, uh, you don't know about that, you don't know about that. Oh, you know, it, just 20 minutes on a Friday and you'd have known this stuff, you know? Well, that, that's the thing, like craft beer has a legion of people that know a shitload about the product. They know, you know, they get a beer and they know the hops. They probably know the brewer's name. They know what it should taste like. Yet the staff pouring it might not always know all of that because they're not, I guess, engaged. So I guess... It's a failing on my part to an extent as well. Like I've got some new... Windows. Wait, how is, how is it a failing on your part that venues don't know? <laughs> oh, just because I'm not, you know, being in their face about it, you know. I guess I, I, my focus is always on just trying to m make sure there's good content and, you know, make sure there's more coverage out there and, well, trying to catch up most of the time with where I want to be. But I'm not, I don't have necessarily a presence in there in venues. I've got some new, you know, window decals going out and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, you know, I do try and remind people stuff but people are so busy as well that they probably go oh here's another email from James I haven't got time I need to be more succinct I think in my emails as well like the weekly newsletter has to go on because there's too much to say but I think even the emails I sometimes send to people who you know got listings on the site I think they kind of go oh it's another one of them delete uh, so yeah maybe it's but I, you know I I'd probably need to have it more in the front of people's minds that you know if you if you are working in industry it probably is worth checking out, just like it's worth listening to your podcast or listening to the Bruce News podcast. You know, there's there's things out there. People aren't just doing them because they're doing them, you know, just because they want to. Like, they're doing it because they have information to get out there and they have opinions to get out there and they are addressing stuff. And you know, it sounds like a big pitch going, don't ignore the media, you know? But, um, but yeah, please. But, you know, it's like there are some good resources out there being run by people who know their shit, trying to do stuff well, and it doesn't take much time to sort of pay attention to what's going on. And I know everyone's really busy, but you know, it's you know, it's, it's almost like a shortcut to being better at what you do, I think, especially if you're in a customer-facing position within the industry. Also, with the industry changing so quickly, um, you know, new beers are coming out, new styles are coming out. Yeah, if you're not paying attention to that, then another brewery down the road is gonna open up and do a lot better, or another bar's gonna open up and do a lot better based on that. Uh, I'm conscious that my battery looks low, so I'm going to have to take a pause and, and change it. Um, and then maybe we'll come back and have a chat to Greg about what's happening uh, at Craft & Co. All right, back welcome in business. Back. Yeah, right. We don't have super amount of battery on this one, but like part of the fun right really just live fast live fast indeed appropriate silence. let's uh introduce or we've already introduced greg but let's uh I, i'm keen to hear about his story because it's pretty similar to mine in the sense you moved over from new zealand to melbourne with no job prospects well no yeah. job in mind uh yeah i moved over here as they originally from christchurch and had the earthquake where I lost my job as a brewer, which I did for about seven years. So you're at Ducks Deluxe? Ducks Deluxe, yep. Uh, so what, yeah. can you describe what Ducks Deluxe was? Ducks Deluxe was pretty much an institution in the centre of Christchurch at the old art centre, which used to be the old Canterbury University. So where we were was right in the corner, had a big open courtyard, had three different bars on site, and was also vegetarian 
restaurant but did seafood. So a lot of people came there from all around the city when before the earthquake happened as the best place to have lunch, come for a beer, and then after work it just the out courtyard just pumped. And then so had three bars. So one was the brew pub, which is more upmarket, nice to sit around at a sports bar and everything. Had uh, the Tav, or the Tavern as they called it, where all the live grunge bands and live bands played, which was a very small, dank little room, but great for a live music venue. And then upstairs we had a uh, pool hall and a cocktail bar. So all the all the taps ran the three bars. So it was this, as a, just a brew pub. So all, all the beers that you brewed? Yeah, the well, only just on? for brew on site. In time we did 500 mils and 330s and got into the supermarkets and we did most of those bottling, we did all the bottling at Harrington's but also used their Ferrymead plant to do two of our big sellers, our core beers for selling at the Ducks and we did pretty well with that and as a earthquake happened and yeah that was about it sort of walked around that area. You can't even yeah. get into the weather still, ducks now, is now, They're can you? doing out the other part of the art centre, stonemasons from Scotland, spending a lot of money. They've left the ducks all cordoned off and it's where they store all the rock for doing the other part. Um, yeah, looking at Christchurch now, it's just, I'm sure you know. It's, uh, uh, it's yeah, I went back a couple of months back and a bit had changed. Um, but really, it's big commercial buildings take a long time to build. So a couple have been finished, but a lot more, probably another 10, 20 has started up. But there's still a lot of dusty areas and vacant plant, um, yeah, vacant places. So. so you moved over here. How long have you been here for? I've just been here about a year and a month in Melbourne. So moved here with H- my... Happy Melbourne anniversary. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah. I only uh, came here for my first time coming to Melbourne and was with a backpack to live, so it was a bit of a fun experience with my girlfriend. Um, as a Kiwi, it's always fun to try to set up over here uh, from the beginning, but yeah, in time. Now, after a year, I can say we're pretty well settled and we're quite happy with how everything turned out. Off mic, you said um, looking for brewing jobs when you first got here. Uh, you found a bit of a challenge. There wasn't sort of heaps yeah, advertised. Yeah, there's that? not really. You as say I like most people. I use seek to start with, and really, I have a science degree as well in biological sciences and like ecology, and I have just a degree, so not a master's or a doctorate. What you need to get into there. Um, yeah, just really never really saw too many jobs on the beer brewing or quality assurance and everything which I know about. Um, had to really hunt them out, but yeah, in time, yeah, in time now you, they pop up all the time on, as say, the Crafty Pint majority, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the Australian Beer News as well. Uh, uh, but yeah, Spruce News. Yeah, yeah. So these have come in like the last probably five, six months, just exponentially. Like before, it was once in a blue moon, and I imagine a lot of people are still were applying for those at that time. Um, the other one I found out, I've got a brewing. I'm a brewer by trade, but not by qualification. So I nearly, after the Ducks, I nearly got a job at Mower in Blenheim. 
but another guy beat me to the pump because he had brewing qualifications, which um, I know these are a thing now because I'm a member of the IBD, but uh, yeah, I've never really, don't really have any of those as such. So we've probably got a lot of homebrew, or we do have a lot of homebrew listeners. Um, yeah. Based on your experience, would you recommend they, they do one of those courses? You know, you can do them online now, I think, as well, right? Yeah, I would recommend. I I'm, might plan to never remember to do something like that, but um, yeah, the homebrewing, I've never homebrewed myself. I've helped a couple of friends, but um, yeah, if you're interested to get into the industry and they're saying that you know a lot about beer and if you've homebrewed a long while and you need some sort of qualification, I would definitely certificate or a diploma, I'd look into it if you want to get into the brewing industry. Because it seems like if you don't have any commercial beer experience, brewing experience, you're pretty much at the bottom of the pack. So. Uh, and how did you end up to be doing Craft & Co and FB Pro Pack? Um, I applied for a job through another part of the company um, because I've been about yeah, three months without a job and I was, you know, I have a bit of wine experience from my other job helping some wineries. And the boss's wife is the HR for the company of FB ProPack. So she saw my CV and sent it on to my boss, my now boss. Um, and FB predominantly does all beer and bottling lines and everything beverage related. And uh, yeah, they rang me up and I started, but it was around Good Beer Week and Gabs last year. So they were quite busy and didn't get back to me for a while. So I didn't believe I got in there but in the end yeah I've come to where I am now so quite happy <laughs> more relief then <laughs> yeah and as I say a lot of my friends after posting things on uh, line and stuff have seen you've done like you're doing pretty well for yourself over in Australia when they say a lot of Kiwis have come over here and they're talking about more going back to New Zealand because there's not as much and say the grass isn't always greener is what they used to say but uh, yeah it's turned out pretty well for myself so um, and what's happening here brewing-wise? You guys have just started brewing? Yeah, we've just started brewing um, several beers. We've done a, one, a couple for our own for TAP, which we will be putting on. And uh, it's a lager and a pilsner, so they'll be coming on in a couple of weeks, maybe a bit longer. We're going to check for, give it some good tank time. And we also have one for the Brew FC winner, which was uh, Westgate Brewers. We had the competition here. And that's released for Good Beer Week on a certain date and you come along to it and try so, the winning beer. So Brew FC was a... Homebrewing competition. Cool. With so homebrew clubs all... Yeah, all clubs. We had a discussion about individuals and stuff like that, but in the end it was club versus club and it was it was dark and stormy was the what the plan was. So it was uh, stouts and porters. So yeah, Westgate actually got came first and second. But they, they do their own uh, stout or dark and stormy kind of competition every year, so the other clubs were didn't really like that. But it was around winter, so it had to be done. And so that's going to be launched during Good Beer Week? Yes, it uh, has an event for it um, where you can taste it all and it's paired with the menu of uh, finger food to do with the dark beers. So, yeah, it should be a good event. Uh, and you've been out also helping other breweries install yeah, with Pro so Pack as well? With my job, I do a bit of installation, but more technicians do all that. But I help with the commissioning brew, and may, it's more if they need it more than one or need several. Um, I set up my first one was Kaju, uh, which I helped out, and I went to see James the Black Dog earlier to uh, learn the plants that we sell, the Alienox from Italy. 
And then we've also, I did the Craft & Co one uh, as well. And then in Margaret River, Brewhouse Margaret River was one which we stayed there for, I think we did three brews in the end, but it was more, all, all problems that can happen, happen in commissioning. And that's where you want to iron them all out and make the mistakes then. And then so you can leave the customer happy. And they say, he's all, we're like, as our company in Australia, we're always on call, so they can just give us a ring when anything might go wrong, and we're more than happy to help because, as I say, we sold the plant to them. Does that, do the skills installing it help you brew and vice versa? Like, do those? Yeah, really, like, the whole plan, I, the company had, had an idea for what to do with me, and it took them a while to figure out, but it's really works on using that plant now because I've used. The other side, the Casual was 25, the other one was a, a 10 heck as well. So if I know that brewery, if they ring me up and they have issues with it, and I have my own here, I understand where they're coming from. We supply other ones like PSS or whatever from Slovakia, but they're more automated and a bit more expensive, like Napoleon has one. So that's why we did our collaboration brew at Napoleon for that, because um, yeah, it used to be a moo brew. And uh, yeah, we sold it a long, long time ago to them, and Napoleon bought it secondhand. So, and there's a, a lot of really good beers coming out of Napoleon, so it's yeah. uh, still still doing its doing its thing, right? Oh yeah, he after going there, meeting Ben for the first time was quite interesting because he was saying he got a because he bought a secondhand, he got a menu in Slovakian, and that's about all he got. So he spent I think about two weeks pushing water around, and they say like our commissionings you just take about a week max and we smash out a couple of brews for the customer and like then do one and then the, the, third, the second one they are actually doing it all and we're just making sure they're doing it properly so they know. Yeah, that one is uh, a lot more complex. So yeah, he's been a, a long time pushing water around with all the I'm going to have to ask him how his Slovakian is next time I see him. Yeah, <laughs> I think he had a good read but um, I think when we did, I was around when Moo happened, but I believe a technician from Slovakia came over for a week, and uh, yeah, they do very complex, complex uh, uh, breweries. So I think I've quoted one one in New Zealand for a winery, which is like a seven automatic seven vessel brew house, uh, some about a two million dollars. So yeah, definitely need a technician to come over. The installation will be fine, but teaching them how to use it with all the automation um, is definitely. A way to go. You're enjoying Melbourne then? Yeah, very much so. Um, yeah, everything, lovely city. Like, as I can see, why everyone says it's such a great city. Um, I love the weather, I'm say. Brisbane, uh, born in Brisbane a long time ago, and I can't handle the summer there. It's just too humid and hot. Lovely to go in winter. I'll go see some of my family, say good day in the middle of winter when it's a bit cold here, and just go relax at 25 degrees. So, and it, When Melbourne people say it's cold, coming from Christchurch I'm yeah, sure you're uh... it is true though but as I say uh, Christchurch is very cold I've, I've sort of frost here last um, last winter um, but yeah it does even today like being outside here it's a nice cool breeze compared to yesterday it was a nice uh, 26 which is really nice so it's kind of the same in Christchurch as four seasons in one day which I'm used to so I can definitely live with that <laughs> Break everyone, welcome back. 
The things I'm that we impressed. keep. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now, I don't know if we even briefed you guys. Uh, uh, we it's have, very we complicated procedure. What we do is we have one recommendation that is a beer that you might have enjoyed recently. And the second recommendation is a non-beer recommendation. It's like a movie or a TV show or something. So while we do ours, you guys can You can, can think your about brains. yours if you like, yeah. Uh, seeing as you spoiled mine in a previous segment. What's your beer recommendation? Mountain Goat IPA. The Zemergist? Is that, that, that the one? Zemergist. I think that's what it's called. Breed? Delicious, Delicious, eh? Holy yeah. shit. Uh, if they made that their, their core yep. range IPA... Totally would still be part of their Because I got, like, upset by that Citra Bomb, the pale ale, because uh, if... Pulled. Did it get released in the end? I thought it was pulled. No, well, I got a bottle of it and I was deeply disappointed. Yeah. Oh, controversy. James, okay. expand. Okay. Uh, I thought it was pulled. That's all I'm going to say. No, <laughs> no, no, expand. <laughs> yeah. It didn't come out quite as expected, I think. So I don't think the full release happened. Oh, right. Because, yeah. like, when you call a beer Citra Bomb, that invokes some kind of big hot presence, which was absent in the beer. Yeah. Toffee yeah. beer. I think it, I, there was a big release planned. And then they realised the beer wasn't quite wasn't as it quite, should be. Okay. So I, th I think a few bottles went out and then they were like, hang on, no. And I think it was unfortunate timing because I think it was the first release they did it after being uh, bought out by Asahi. Oh, they did, so. Didn't they do Japanese Cowboy just before oh, that? Just, yeah, just before Which that. Which I loved. I really enjoyed Japanese Cowboy, yeah. Um, yeah, so I was a little bit gun-shy given the fact that the Citra Bomb uh, was not very explosive at all. Um, but there's a... Surprise and the surprise is there's <laughs> yeah, no yeah. citra. Yeah, yeah, very apt. Um, but this emergence is delicious though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, if, if, and it's, I think it's just hitting shelves at the moment now or wider distro. So if you see it, get a bottle and uh, you also enjoy got it. some delicious sounding tasting notes. Yeah, I got a sneak preview of their barley wine by Ooh, mistake. They actually yeah. put the wrong tasting notes into the um, envelope when I got my freebie. Oh, hashtag freebie on those emergence, no, okay. by the way. I bought mine, so. Uh, um, yeah. They sent me the wrong tasting notes and the PR person emailed me and she's like, oh shit, I sent you the wrong tasting notes. You know, a barley wine, you'll get it next week. Like, I went but that was a standout beer from last year, that barley wine. So yeah. we're looking so forward to that maybe one. Maybe we'll, uh, next show we'll crack a bottle. Ooh, good idea. Yeah. All right. Dave, beer recommendation? Uh, new can release, Pirate Life IPA. Delicious. Great. Yeah. Easy. Uh, I'm sure most everyone who's listened has had the Pirate Life Pale, the throwback, everything. Yeah. It's Pretty much on point with that uh, series. Awesome. I haven't tried it yet. I'm keen to check it out. James, have you got a beer recommendation for us? Um, yeah, well, I, I went to Grape and Grain on Friday to meet a guy called Maris, uh, who's behind Robetown Brewery in SA. Um, we had an article on him a year or so ago on the website. He He's a former journalist and baker and various things who decided to take over a disused fish factory on the coast in SA. It, he brews uh, in a wooden... Uh, mash tun, uses straw um, for his uh, fil f uh, filter on the base of the mash tun. He uses wood to fire his kettle. Uh, he has a barrel of this sort of house stock sour that he uses to add to in a certain proportion to every single beer as a sort of extra sort of preservative. And he's just doing pretty interesting stuff. I think there's, you know, it, he reminds me a little bit of Ashley Huntington, two meters tall, what he's doing. I uh, tried his pale for the second time a few months after I'd had some samples of him before on Friday and it's quite acidic because I think he'd added a bit more sour this time around so he's still playing around. Just really interesting, funky stuff. Just do it, trying to make beer like it would have been made you know, hundreds of years ago. Uh, he's got some new thing coming. He's using some, uh, some sort of native berry to make a naturally spontaneously fermented sour at the minute as well. 
Uh, but he's just got distribution into Melbourne. Uh, I'm going to try and get the Pint of Origin South Australia venue, the Palace, to get a couple of kegs off him. I don't think they know about him, so I got his number to pass on the other day. And so, yeah, just there should be a little bit of Rogue Town stuff. You can get, get it in SA, you get it in Melbourne. Um, Stout's a pretty straight down the line. Stout, you pick up much sour there, but I think he's a really interesting. There's, it's very hard to stand out as different in Australia at the minute, and he's going to stand out as different, I think. That's so. pretty fun sounding stuff. Yeah, I like the idea of. Um, I didn't realize he was sort of adding his own sort of stock ale into, into his beers, which, yeah. Cool. Good fun. Greg. Greg? I'm just thinking it's coming to winter, and uh, yeah, Stout's Porters are pretty much coming through, and uh, pretty much my favorite I've tried in Australia. For a stout is um, the one from Black Dog, Dead Dog Stout. If you haven't tried it, I would recommend you get involved for this winter and then, yeah, have a, have a rate of it and see what you, what you think. Put in the book I've got coming out later this year. I, I wasn't expecting that to be the beer I put in. And then I tried his, or his latest, you know, uh, well, this is most reason I tried that is like his whole range. It was like that beer is just, it's in your face, but it's in everything in, in balance. It's great. Yeah. Also, if you're up and around that area uh, and you head into the uh, cellar door, he has it on hand pump all the time pretty much. So um, it's delicious. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd like to try that. So maybe I have to head up there. Uh, Dave, you got a non-beer? I do. And it's a bad recommendation and you'll hear why in a second. But I watched a series on television called Horace and Pete, which is Louis C.K.'s most recent uh, uh, yeah. creation. By all uh, accounts, a massive failure. What's that? By all accounts, a massive failure. I think it's stunning. Right. Absolutely stunning. So I've got a huge recommendation. I don't even want to tell you that much about it, but it stars Alan Alda, uh, uh, Steve Buscemi, uh, Edie Falco, with some pretty good um, cameo appearances from Kurt Metzger and Nick They're DiPolo. all very talented people. Absolutely. Um, so, I don't know by I don't know who's accounted and said it was a failure, but uh, I think it's a financial failure. The internet. I think it's a like it's cost him a lot of money, yeah. but um, unbelievable. And it's going to cost you thirty-one bucks, but so is anything. So go and do it. <laughs> that is not true at all. Th- things that aren't going to cost you thirty-one dollars, or it might, depending where go you on. get it. Um, I just finished reading the first two books of the sci-fi uh, series Ender's Game. Uh, has anyone here read Ender's Game? Have really not. good. Yeah. Holy shit. First one was kind of straight down the line, sci-fi. Second one was a, a very insane, very ambitious um, story about building a world. And I don't want to give too much away, but really, really good reading. Not too long. Um, I'd been reading Moby Dick beforehand and needed something easy to break it up. And yeah, Ender's Game. Get on board. All right, good one. Uh, I can't remember, uh, can't remember who wrote it. Someone famous. Orson Scott Card, maybe? Sounds right. James, you got anything? I've been listening to uh, Underworld's new album, uh, Barbara, Barbara, We Face a Shining Future, uh, more than I should recently. I, I, I miss out. Hang on, you listening to too much Underworld? That doesn't seem right. I know, I know. I've been a fan since, well, early 90s, I guess. But then it, the last few albums, they've had some good stuff on it, and you kind of go, yeah, it's okay. And you, and you give them a bit of a you know, leave pass because it's, you know, for what they've done. And they had about five years off between doing a proper album. And this one's awesome. Uh, it's really, it'd be up there with, it, with their best albums. And being uh, a dad with young kids, I like the fact that on the last two tracks, they duet with their two daughters are on the tracks as well. They're like both, they're, they're both turned 60 within the next year and they're making a really relevant techno album 
which is kind of cool. Gives it gives us all hope. I just, I just entered my fifth my fifth decade recently, and you're kind of going, well, you know, they're 19 years older than me, and they're still doing it. And but it's just a nice touch. They've got their one's a soprano and one's, and it's just like yeah. But you know, it's, it's not in any way twee. It's just a cool album. So. Re- relevant techno album might might age you a little bit as well. Even you literally <laughs> just said your age. But, um, <laughs> uh, cool. I, yeah, I, I was a fan of uh, Underworld back in the day, so I might check that out. I didn't know they were still making music. So, all right, Greg. Um, I'm gonna go with. I like old music and I like old movies, so can't go with that with books. Um, but the one thing I have been to lately, it is somewhat beer related. I have been down to the Collingwoods. Collingwood Children Animals Farm. If you've not been, that's where I dump my grain on the compost heap. I haven't gone there as a punter, but um, I've walked there from my house along the river and I'd definitely recommend it. They're having, um, just go there to see, they have a cafe and everything, and you get see if you have children, like farm animals and everything like that. Great, great establishment. And then sometime for the winter solstice, they're having a big bonfire night near the river. It's like about 900-something people, and it's a big family event. But, uh, yeah, I've only been there for somewhat work, but I plan to go down there just to, yeah, really nice place in the heart of Melbourne, right near the uh, Abbotsford Codvent, and they own a lot of land, and, yeah, it's don't even feel like you're in the city. My nieces and nephews love it, so, yeah. yeah. And they've got a giant fat pig with the same name as my mother-in-law. <laughs> Controversial. <laughs> um, Dave, where can we find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me uh, at, at MelbDave on Twitter and Instagram, uh, and that's pretty much it, really. Cool. Oh, Great. and Periscope. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we should have done one today. Next time. Next time, yeah. We say this every time. I know. Greg, can we find you anywhere on the internet? Uh, primarily my Facebook page. <laughs> what about uh, Craft & Co and NFP Pro Pack? Uh, yeah, well, I guess you can find where I work and supply and breweries at fbpropack.com. And, yeah, the craftandco.com as well for all the events we hold here. Um, I think FB's got a Twitter account and something like that. Well, I'll look them up and link them but so yeah, you don't we, have to. We, we're interested in more getting into Instagram as uh, seems the better way to go these days for uh, breweries picture related um but yeah i say we're all we're on there somewhat all right james yeah where can we find about the cabal first uh craftycabal.com uh which i guess is a landing page that tells you what it's all about um and then if you join up you get a what we think is a pretty cool looking little members area but uh and then yeah craftypint.com and various variants of the crafty pint and or just crafty pint on various platforms isn't there a uk account that's like a knitting group or something that has the crafty pint as well uh, yeah there's a group on twitter crafty pint that's a, uh, a bunch of beer loving ladies i believe in south london who get together and make stuff crafting stuff there's also a crafty pint bottle shop in darlington which has craftypint.co.uk there's a crafty pint is a beer restaurant in wisconsin who wanted to buy some of the other uh, urls that i don't use and i was like nah uh, so yeah, there's a few crafty pints around, but I do believe I was the first, at least online, anyway. So I will make sure to link your one and not any of the other ones. <laughs> How about you, Luke? Where do we find you? Uh, I'm at Isle of a Time on Twitter, Facebook. Uh, sorry, Facebook slash Isle of a Time, uh, Snapchat Isle of a Time, or get the snap code from the IsleofaTime.com website. Uh, yeah. We'd love a five-star rating on iTunes, if possible. Definitely. Um, also, buy some merch. Yeah. I saw um, Pia uh, Poynton, who writes for you, I believe, Snapchatted me a picture of her wearing a hoodie to the movies. She was looking pretty dope, I'm not going to lie. All right. They're dope, they're dope <laughs> hoodies. So, yeah, check them out. Uh, and, and we'd 
be really happy that people did it. For of sure. Course, yeah. Um, and thank you to Toe Hider for our theme music. We love you guys. Always appreciative. Cheers. Cheers, guys. See you later.